Hey, what's up? My name is Jeremiah Gardner, and welcome to the second episode of our podcast called Brother. And today we are talking about something really interesting. What does it mean to love your enemy? And does that include Satan? This is going to be an interesting topic. We are really, really excited. So listen to the next part. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, everyone? Hey, hey. Glad you're back. Can you hear me? Hear me good. I'm glad you're back on the podcast. This is podcast number two. Yep, we um, we upgraded our space to the glass rooms at the library. If you've not been to the glass rooms at the library in downtown Tulsa, you've got to check them out. They're beautiful. They are insane. You look at the window and see downtown, get inspired by it. But yeah, this is a pretty sweet upgrade. Last mm-hmm. one. If you didn't know, we were in Jeremiah's car. Yeah, uh, just <laughs> chill on the front seats. <laughs> so yeah, this is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. How was your week this week? It was good. Today's Thursday. I finished all my homework for the week. Got that done today. A lot of homecoming prep this week. I'm mm-hmm. homecoming board again, so I had to make you flowers. Are? Yeah. Really? I didn't tell you that. I made no, flowers. you didn't tell me. They're really cute. I'll show you. I'll show you later. But okay. Made flyers and whatnot. Um, good week at school, though. Learned a lot. Had a good discussion in one of my leisure classes. Um, one of my professors is like an ex-captain um, and in the Navy or something. And wow. For like a long time, though. He has some really cool stories. Really? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I have... Um, I don't... See, I don't go to a traditional... Well, see, I go to a traditional school, but, like, my school's, like, after work, so school is just a complete afterthought yeah. to everything else in my life. <laughs> but I have a Chinese teacher. All my teachers are guys this year. I'm surrounded by a ton of guys in all my classes, which is really interesting because I feel like I was around a lot of girls my past few years. Um, I have a Chinese teacher from China. I have an Indian teacher from India. And I have a white man. (laughs) So those are the teachers. Is he? Wait, it's my turn. Yes, he's a white man who who practices criminal law in Tulsa, which is... I I told you about him, right? Yeah. It's real interesting. Fun stuff, but... Okay, y'all. We got a fun topic today. And um, we're just going to dive right in if you read the title you're like what does it mean to love your enemy and does that include satan but right now um take back love your enemy or love your neighbor enemy love your enemy okay so andrew what does it mean to love your enemy yeah good question that is where like we started talking about this the other day because Mm -hmm. of that exact teaching that jesus taught he said love your enemies Pray for those who persecute you. Mm-hmm. And I sat there for a second because I stopped and I was like, wait, who's my enemy? Because I don't like have an arch nemesis in life, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I was like, who is my enemy? Who is it? You know, maybe people who think differently than me, the people who behave differently than me, I don't think them as my enemy. And then so I immediately thought about Jesus' teaching of love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and I think you remember doing this too, like teaching kids that lesson. And Jesus makes the case that everyone is your neighbor with his teaching. Yeah. And so the question I came to is like, well, if everyone is my neighbor, then who is my enemy? Mm -hmm. And that line of thinking is so 
it's so dangerous because I think all of us really want to have an enemy because we really want someone not to like. Hmm. At least for me, like this realm of thinking makes me be like, crap, I can't hate anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Like if this is really what Jesus says and what Jesus meant, then that means the people that I even hold grudges towards or the people that um, annoy me, you know, like a boss at work or um, like... You know, like even your sibling may just annoy you a little bit. I feel like it broadens it. Not that my sibling is not my enemy. Micah, I love you so much. <laughs> um, my sibling is obviously not my enemy, but I feel like Jesus and what he's doing is he's just going to the root hmm. of this thought. And I think especially in the time that this was being said at, you know, the Israelites had a real enemy. You know, like the Romans. Like they were yeah. in... A really bad situation yeah like they were looking for a savior to come in and to make their and to make their lives better and he tells them to love your enemy oh. like no I can't do that <laughs> I mean that's so contrary to what we think mm-hmm. and even even as someone who's heard this teaching and now thinks about it there are times where I still question it mm-hmm. and I mean you hate to think about like the the worst situations, but the reality is, like you talked about, the Romans were oppressors. Yeah. And this is serious. Really, think about today's day and age. There is serious abuse that goes on in our world. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that you would be like, yeah, I don't blame you at all for hating that person mm-hmm. or calling that person your enemy. Yeah. Or holding every grudge against them. Like, I can't blame you. There's some horrible stuff going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Yet. If Jesus is saying love your enemies, I think he meant it. Mm-hmm. And so, one other question I'm thinking about now is, in some cases, how is it possible that we love our enemies, the ones that have really hurt us? Well, our society has one realm of thought that I hear a lot. Basically, to get past past hurt, you have to love yourself. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about this, actually. The idea of loving yourself and in the Bible, it says to love your neighbor as yourself, which is really interesting. But your question was, how is it possible to love your enemy? Just for me, going down the society's route of loving yourself without Jesus, I just hear a lot of people who just, you know, like self-care's really in now. It's, mm-hmm. it's like a trend. Yeah. Which, it shouldn't be a trend because I fully believe that every person should be taking care of themselves. Right. Um, But it's like a trend, like, take care of yourself, self-care. And what happens is you find many people do it. To me, it's almost like a pride booster. This whole trend of self-care, loving yourself. It's almost like building yourself up, building your self-esteem up, going, getting massages having people take care of you, sitting in baths, like acting like you're the (laughs) king or queen, whatever. Like, I feel like it's just a big ego booster to the point where that thing I dealt with five, 10 years ago, I'm so, it's so beneath me. I'm so beyond that. I'm so beyond that Mm. I shouldn't be. And I don't feel like that's the way. So then, because what happens is people do that, 
And then they're like, now I can love you. Mm. But it's almost love from pride. Because I have done that where um, it's very easy to talk to someone that you know, and this sounds so awful, Lord forgive me, that you, even as I'm talking about stuff, Chris, I'm going to say something that's really condescending. That you know is beneath you. Like, it's really easy to talk some, talk to someone that you know is beneath you. Hmm. And treat them special. Does that make sense? That's what you're saying. See, yeah. like, there's some saying. It's like, it's like, it's like why people go to um, charities. There obviously are good, are good, are good ways to go to charities and right. give. But I feel like it's easy to serve someone who doesn't have a house. Right. It's very difficult for people to serve people who are on their same level yeah. in, in society. And for those of you who do not think we have an, a hierarchy in society, we do. I think that's, I, I think that's pre- pretty obvious. But as far as loving your enemy, which again goes into this realm of thought of it being hard to love someone who isn't who you consider on that same social status... The only way to do it is from Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think of the story of, of Moses whenever Moses goes up to the mountain and his face is glowing yeah. from being in the presence of God. Then eventually you find out a couple of verses later that he was just keeping the sheer of his face because he still wanted people to know that he had been the presence of God. Yeah. I'm, I'm not talking about that. If you haven't read that story, it's in um, Exodus. But I think a true way to love your enemy is to have the light of Jesus reflecting off of wow. you. I feel like that is a really good picture mm-hmm. of loving your enemy is sometimes, so we say in Christianity, Jesus is in our heart, right? It's almost like you have to mind that out. Sometimes, you know, like it's like, oh, I don't like this person, but Jesus is in my heart. So I'm going to have to mind. I'll have to come on Jesus. Like, help yeah. me out. Like, I want to need some help. Yeah. But when you have been in the presence of God, he automatically will reflect off of you. So true. So, you, so I don't have to worry or I don't have to dig up dig up that Christianity. What's that Bible verse I learned whenever I was five years old? Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. When you have been in the presence of God and, when, and we'll see, like, when his light is shining off of you, hmm. to me, that is the easiest way to love your enemy. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, like what you're saying and what I would have also definitely said is that our societal view of love is that love begins with myself mm. that love starts and comes from me and so I hear so many times and I want to try carefully because there are people that I really care in my life that think this way mm-hmm. and they talk to me about this and I so understand why they say it Yeah. and I'm still, honest, I'm still struggling with it right now um, with a couple people in my life that I really care about and I so badly want to just like tell them what I think that anyway, I'll just kind of share. One of the things I hear all the time is like, I say I want to love people, but I haven't learned how to love myself yet. Mm. I hear that all the time. And here's the thing, like, I get that. I know what it's like to 
see yourself, uh, you know, as broken or lesser than or not enough because ultimately it's what we all were before Jesus. But the context of that, of what they're saying, means I need to learn how to love myself before I can love anyone else. Mm. And my answer to that, which, and, and I've yet to say it outright like this, because the Spirit hasn't guided me to say this up front, is no, you haven't learned that God loves you yet. <laughs> you better come on, Pastor. And, and here's the thing. Like, I, I'm, I'm still a struggle, like, right now with... Mm-hmm how I can like if, if the moment comes where God asks me to say it outright I will say it outright yeah but know that right now saying it outright won't be the won't be the way mm-hmm. anyway that's, that's kind of the thing is like I'll learn to love others once I've learned how to love myself mm-hmm. which that means that we're the source of love which we're not mm-hmm. like you said it's Jesus yeah and this is the same thing about people also say I haven't learned how I haven't forgiven myself it's like no, you haven't accepted the fact that God has forgiven you. Mm. And so I, I think that this also kind of ties into the question of, of how does God see me? I think it's more important to think, how do we see God? Because mm. whether we see God is going to change the fact, to change how he sees us in our own mind. Mm. And so it's kind of just, it's instead of making us the center of it, you're making God the center of it. Yeah. And so for me, like, how do I love my enemy? Well, I think... It just makes sense. Because when you think about who I was in relation to God. Which, if you don't know what he's saying, you were an enemy of God. Let me say it again. You were an enemy of God. I was an enemy of God. All of us were enemies of God. Yet God loved us. Mm. Yeah. That's in Romans 5. Um, Here's a verse that we share. Romans 5. Um, 8 through 10 says, For while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't do anything. Jesus didn't say, Hey, I see you reaching halfway, now I'll come rest. It's like, no. Mm-hmm. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. And it moves on and says, For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the yeah. death of the Son. And I think that's another misconception in our society is that. Uh, it's, it's like, oh, I mean, I don't, I believe in God. Uh, I'm not necessarily, like, for him or against him. I'm kind of in the middle. That's not, that's actually not how the scripture teaches it. Mm-hmm. It's either you're serving God or you're... Yeah. Or you're screwed. <laughs> the, well, or you're screwed. Well, I wouldn't say that, because that kind of, that has, a, like, a weird connotation. Like, you're either serving God or you're serving Satan. Yeah. That's what it is. You're not screwed, because you're never too far gone. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. sorry, y'all. That's probably a little harsh. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify that because it's like, <laughs> no, you're not screwed. Like, you're not screwed. Anyway. Yeah. And that's good stuff. That's some good stuff. Um, there was a thought I was having about. Um, man, I'm forgetting it at the moment. About loving yourself. And I was thinking about it the other day. Oh man, it's about to come. I don't know. It's not coming at the moment. It was this. It was there was basically thought that I had. Yeah. That I had been thinking about too about yeah. this whole thought, but I don't have it at the moment. Yeah, honestly, it's one of those things where it's like, and I also, you know, I don't know who's gonna listen to this. The mm-hmm. thing is, is like, mental health awareness and 
self-love, all these things, like, they're great. Oh, I so, remember the thought. Okay, all right, good. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> good. I remember the thought. Um, basically, so we talk about loving yourself. The Christian way, the real way of doing that is to say, is what I believe is being content in Christ. Hmm. That is where true joy and true happiness comes from. And as you were talking about earlier, that mindset too, Hmm. being content in Christ. It's like, so for instance, with dating, until you are comfortable with being alone and being with yourself and being with content with who you are in Christ and fully knowing that you don't need anyone else but him, then God blesses you with adding someone else. Mm. Um, I was talking to myself about this in the kitchen yesterday. <laughs> I was preaching a little message to myself. How I loved being single. Loved it. I absolutely, I, I, would, I did not date for all middle school, all high school, first two years of college. I loved being single. It was incredible. Yeah. I, but you know what's funny is during that time, I just realized I was so content with who I was. Hmm. I learned that all the quirks about my personality God had put there. Hmm. I learned all of, I learned that that was how God made me. This is who I am. Like I would just stay home on, on, on Friday nights. And, you know, like, my mom would be like, Jeremiah, you know, like, you should go to this or go to that. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm going to sit on the couch, fold some clothes, and watch a movie. I'm going to have myself a good old time. (laughs) And this, I believe this plays into into a part of loving your enemy. Is I was content with who I was in Christ. So I didn't care what anyone else thought. I was able to show love to other people because I knew who I was in Christ so much and so well. Mm. See, this is, see, this is the way to truly love your enemy is once you are just like, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. Thank you, Mm. Jesus, for all that you have done in my life. Whenever you see that enemy or, or whenever someone annoys you or whenever someone who really has done done something truly wrong Mm. to you now i do believe with things like abuse with things like um where people who have emotionally physically sexually abused you i do believe that you shouldn't be around that person right i think that's toxic but i do think that as you heal with jesus when you see that person and they probably still are ugly your heart longs for them to come and know him. And I saw this probably the best with my mom. My mom um, has a rough relationship with her parents. And she doesn't love her parents all in her life. And in my life too. But she doesn't hate them at all. There is no like um, bad content. You know, you know, like her, her wishing the worst on them. It's she genuinely wants them to whatever it is they're dealing with to let that go and just come be with us, you know? 
And it's like she isn't wishing for harm on them. She genuinely loves them. Yeah. But she isn't. But but she isn't. But she isn't letting them in the family, yeah. or you know, like oh, around us because she knows that it's toxic. But she still loves them and cares for them and still wants the best for them because she's not worried about them. Like, she's not worried about what they think. And here's the thing. This is why, at least I've started to say over the past two years, I think, is I try to say I don't hate hate anyone. Mm-hmm. I feel like, especially with Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or especially with celebrities, we say that we hate them. Yeah. I do not think we should be saying that. Hmm. It's, it's not, in, not, not to anyone, but especially to someone you have never met before in right. your life. Because yeah. you are labeling that person, and I believe when you say you hate that person, you are giving that person power. We see, we see this with Trump probably the best. There are, some, there are so many people that hate him that when he does anything, they're in uproar. Like, it's almost like he is in control of their emotions. Wow. Which I think he knows it, which is probably why he tweets in the morning. Because he knows, because he knows he has power over them. And it's, that's not a good place to be. Hmm. Like, like, do not give, give anyone the label of enemy or hatred towards someone because that because that gives them so much power over you over you and your life and look you don't need that i don't need Mm. that no one needs that that is so true as you're talking i'm thinking about how people who we would identify as people that we hate or someone who really wronged us i think we hate out of a place of hurt Mm. damn some good stuff. Now, now follow me with this. This is kind of going back to the idea of, and again, there's so many touchy situations. Mm-hmm. So many. When it like, comes to loving your enemy. Severe hurts. And like, when I say this, I'm not trying to belittle mm-hmm. or not disregard feelings or anything. Mm-hmm. But what I am trying to do is magnify the redemptive power of Jesus when I say this. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about how I might learn to love once I've loved myself. Mm-hmm. When it comes to hating out of a place of hurt, I think Jesus would say to us, deny yourself. Deny yourself your desire for vengeance and revenge. Wow. Because he says vengeance is mine. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's good stuff. Now we're getting into a different conversation, but I think it's just so good. And again, like, even just last night, I was talking to a friend of mine who one of her friends is going through something just horrible. Mm-hmm. And if we could get into any particular situation, I would, but it's just not, I don't think it's worth it to get into super particulars. Mm-hmm. But there is some horrible crap going on in our world. Yeah. With worldwide epidemics mm-hmm. that are going on. Yeah. With war, sex trafficking, abuse, neglect mm-hmm. of kids. Yeah. Horrible things going on everywhere. And you, one of these things is like, it, it can definitely stir up hatred. Yeah. And I think what's so important is this idea that vengeance belongs to God. Is right now in our world, a common question can be, where is God in all of this? Mm -hmm. Why would God let that happen to me? Why would God let that happen to my friend? Mm -hmm. 
And this might be a source of the hate that we hold for enemies that we're not willing to let go of and begin to love. Mm. Man, I would just take a second to encourage, like, number one, me, because I've dealt with this in the last year. And I'm sure everyone can relate to it. This idea is, where is God? I feel like I have to hold on to this vengeance. I have to hold on to this desire for revenge. It's not true. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a beautiful story in Obadiah where Jesus talks to two people groups, the Edomites, the descendants of Esau, and the Israelites, the descendants of Jacob. It's one chapter book. I think I talked to you about this earlier. Mm-hmm. One point. It's a one chapter book. I don't know if I've read it. it, it you should. It's, uh, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, one chapter book, and Jesus talks to these two people groups. The background of it, of course, Esau and Jacob have a, had a sibling rivalry, right? Mm-hmm. And that followed through the two of the generations. Uh, the Edomites, they rejoiced when the Israelites were, ins- were enslaved. Uh, when the Israelites needed to go through the Edomites' country, the Edomites met them with an army and said, no, you can't pass through. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to kind of give like an example, uh, when the Israelites were attacked, the Edomites hopped in. When the Israelites were down, the Edomites came to kick them. So like, there's abuse here. There's a mm-hmm. lot of like, horrible things going on. And in Obadiah, we find the answer. We hear God's voice towards the injustice, towards the abuse. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is God's tone towards the Edomites is powerful. What does he say? He doesn't just say, you did this to my people, you did this, you did this, you did this. But he said, you should not have done this. You should not have rejoiced wow. when my people were in slavery. You should not have entered the gates of my people. Hmm. Is this fatherly love, and he wraps it up by saying, I will make you as if you never were. Wow. And so if you want to know what God thinks about injustice, all these horrible things going on in the world, I think that's what he's saying. Hmm. He's saying, you should not have touched my kids. Wow. And to the Israelites, he talks about a salvation that they're going to have, a redemption yeah. that they're going to have. Psalm 50 says that our God will come forth and will not be silent. Mm. Which means that right now, for some reason, God is silent about some things. That's a, that's a conversation for another day. Which, we're <laughs> getting to that, but anyway. I don't know if I fully agree with that. But we won't talk about that today. Yeah. We'll, just, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that one. There's a time for later. <laughs> but... Yeah, in all of these things, the reality is that, yeah, this world is broken and mm-hmm. sinful and a lot of horrible things happen, uh, but God will answer them. Yeah. He'll wipe out every single tear, he'll yeah. wipe every wrong, make every evil untrue. Yeah. And so, um, I think that could be a big part in helping us to love our enemies and not hate them. Like, I know for me, I was even recalling this earlier, was there's only one person that I ever remember saying, like, with hatred in my heart, that I hated. Mm-hmm. Only one person. And it lasted for about six months. Mm-hmm. When God was just working in my heart and I realized I, there's mm-hmm. no reason to hate. Mm-hmm. It was doing me the utmost harm, mm-hmm. personally. Yeah. And, yeah, it wasn't worth it. That's good. Well, that's part one of this talk. We're about to start part two here in a couple of seconds. <laughs> All right, so the question, second question we're going to get into today is, does loving our enemy include Satan? Should we love him? <laughs> that just sounds weird. Yeah, it does. It does sound weird. Um, Andrew had this really crazy idea. I've never heard it before. He actually wrote a letter to Satan 
I did, yeah. <laughs> Which is like, if he called it a, a letter to my enemy, right? Yeah. And I was just so inspired. Like, what the heck? Who does this? Who thinks of this? You know? It's almost like screw tape letters a little bit, which I haven't read yet, but I have the book and I'm yeah. going to read it here soon. But it just inspired me to write a little bit. So I'm going to read actually to you guys a little bit from what I wrote to Satan. Just like the first two sentences, I'm not going to read you the whole thing. But I would highly recommend doing this article. No, take it back. Doing this, um, doing this um, exercise. Yeah. And just see what comes up. Because I think... Um, that like when your view of Satan, your true enemy, gets put in the check, you realize just how just how powerful God is. Because mm. I feel like we give him way too much power. Mm. And so anyway, these are just the first two sentences of my um, entry that I put into my journal called A Letter to My Enemy. So here we go. I am truly, deeply sorry for you. I am sorry that your heart and your vision turned onto yourself and made you the center of the universe. Wow. I'll, 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 see, like, I'll keep going. I am sorry you decided to turn your back on your creator, that you decided to ruin God's creation because you hated the person who created you. And it's like... That's just the first two, three sentences of my journal entry, but... So, right here, Jeremiah, you're feeling sorry for Satan. You feel you're sorry for him. Yeah. That, that like you put, like, he made everything about himself. Mm-hmm. What was it like writing that? Because he, he's also the same guy that's, like, he's attacking... He's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right here, it sounds like you want something else for him. Um, whenever Andrew was talking about this, it reminded me of this book I read this past year. Um, I am forgetting what, what it's called. It was, it, 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 I think it was called The Three Brothers. Yes, that's it. It's called The Three Brothers. The, I read the first book, um, the first book, so this book is about the three brothers, um, Lucifer, um, Michael, and what's the other angel? Gabriel. Um, Gabriel. Lucifer, Michael, and Gabriel, and, and them being the three brothers. And this author, she, what she came up with in this fiction book, I truly believe in my spirit, it just feels like this is how it went down. Hmm. Um, obviously, um, obviously, it's a fiction book, and we don't know. But I feel like she hit on some really good thoughts about how Satan fell, about how Lucifer fell. And what I came to at the end of this book is you see the twisting. And it basically goes through Lucifer before heaven, then it goes through Jesus on earth and dying on the cross and all of mm. that but basically it's from the spiritual perspective yeah and it goes through and there's this part in the book it's very vivid in my head where 
So what the author's perspective on it was, God created man so he could be with him. Um, angels are a different being, as we know. Angels are a different being. They are different than us. They don't have flesh. Um, so what happened was Satan got jealous that God created man with human DNA, with the ability to reproduce, to be more like God. Hmm. And what's crazy is there's this part where Lucifer looks at the prototype and he looks at Adam and he sees Adam looks like Jesus. Hmm. And he's infuriated and he's pissed for lack of a better word. He's just, he's just like, what? And, and what? And he made them look like him? They made man look like God? Wow. And you can, as the author's going through this, you just understand because there were boundaries in the book. Like, you can see that there were, you know, that God is, and how, and, and how the author writes about Jesus and God is truly incredible. The words, very good flower, flowery language, as we call it, but it just it makes God's just glorious, insane. In the book, it wow. made it magnify for me, and so you see Lucifer, and it, it it starts from a place of him wanting to be like God from a healthy place, hmm. but then he sees that God is creating this new being who is basically like him, has all the characteristics, even looks like Jesus. And he flips out. He's like, what the heck? And as, as he snowballs, have I told you about this book? No. Dude, it's fire. <laughs> as he snowballs and goes deeper and deeper and that pride grows and grows and grows, there's this part where Lucifer was so like over the angels he was over. He's like in heaven and he's like saying, like pointing to the throne of God and saying, how dare you create man in the image of who you are? How dare you? How dare you? And all of the third of the angels are like, yeah, you know, like Lucifer, like you're right. And in the crowd, there's Jesus in the crowd, hidden in the crowd of angels. And it's like, as you're reading, you're like, oh my God, what is going on? Like, you're like on, you know, like you're reading and it's just crazy because you see, you see, and the writer writes about how Lucifer sees Jesus and obviously there's that fear and that trembling, but he was so upset with him that he forgot all of his training when it comes to being in the presence of God. So basically in the book, and the book sets this up, is, is whenever people are in the presence of God, you know, like the angels are, like they all bow down, like there's like no joke, but you see him, even as he's bowing down, he's hating every second of it. And what's crazy is reading that book, I'll, I'll, I'll recommend it, it's called The Three Brothers. This is, see, like this is all in the first book. Um, you feel sorry. It's like you understand why he did what he did. And you're like, wow, that makes sense. Like, and it's weird because you feel bad for even, for even relating. Wow. Hmm. But here's the thing. 
is as we talked about in the first episode, if you're not serving God, you're serving the devil. And it, this, this whole thought process, you're like, wow, I'm not that far off. Something my small group, see, like, so I'm in a small group, and one of the guys in my small group said, every single person is a couple degrees away from murder. Yeah. And what's crazy is he says that, and I'm like, and I'm like, that's not true. But it's like, but then you, but then there's this part where it's like, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Am I a couple degrees away from murder? Am I really? So, dude, you need to read that book. Yeah, I think I really should. But it does make me feel sorry. And um, yeah. You mentioned that like. I don't think you actually did a recording, but you said that it was therapeutic for you to write the letter. Uh huh. And I think that that's something where you talk about loving our enemies in general. It could be very therapeutic to write a letter. Mm-hmm. Maybe not necessarily to Satan, but to someone who's wronged you. Yeah. And this might not ever be a letter that's sent. Mm-hmm. But it could be a letter that's written. I know for me, one of the things that put into perspective in my letter that I included, one of the things was the question. Can you imagine how beautifully God would use you to glorify him? Yeah. And to me it was like, wow, can you imagine if Satan were to be like the ultimate prodigal son? Wow. What that would be like. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it would be incredible. It would. And as I'm thinking about that, I'm getting excited. But then as soon as I'm done writing out that question, I realize that image horrifies Satan. The idea of God using Satan to glorify himself horrifies Satan. He hates that image. Mm-hmm. But here I am, I did. That'd be incredible. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the questions that I thought about was like, yeah. how beautiful would it be if you just threw yourself at the feet of Jesus? I remember, this is a fun story. I remember I was um, a sponsor at a Camp 180. Hmm. And I remember the, the boys in the bunk, you know, I was in like, I was with the high schoolers and like, I'm like not that much older than, you know, they are, but they were just being unruly mm-hmm. teenagers. Right. And I remember one of the other, um, one of the leaders out there, camp, you know, counselors out there was just like, you know, like these kids will never, you know, amount to anything, you know, like he... He didn't say it like that, but you know, like that was basically like what he said. Like I'm trying, you know, like I, like I, um, like I forgot exactly what he said, but, and I remember saying this. I remember saying, well, you know, these teenagers are just like, um, Pastor George. Well, whenever he, you know, like when whenever he he was younger, unruly, crazy. You don't think that they're ever going to amount to anything. Mm-hmm. And then they go on and lead tens of thousands of people to Jesus. So good. I think and it's a reminder. Yeah. To think, and I think Kanye, perfect example. Mm. Wow. Yeah. For the longest, I mean, even I mean, like I was never a big Kanye fan, but I legit listened to his music every day, about every day. Mm. I listened to his album Jesus is King or Jesus is Born like every day they are truly incredible 
And what's crazy is I've always known Kanye was an amazing music artist, but you know, like I never listened to his music because it was about the worst things ever, yeah. you know? Yeah. And you know, like, and you know, like he was known for that, for him being very vulgar. But it's like, now this dude's making music for Jesus and it is incredible. Like, mm -hmm. it is truly incredible music that is real simple to listen to, yeah. and you don't feel dirty at all. Like, you feel, you know, like the presence of God. Right. <laughs> Legit. Yeah. And it's like, it's that same mindset of, wow, what could happen if this person really, if their heart kind of holds on for Jesus? I think there's so many people. Like, think about it. Kanye is married to Kim Kardashian. Someone who, um, now, from her social media, you would be like, is she following Jesus? You know, and you know, like, from their show. But I believe with Kanye's heart, it's seeping into her. Because even as I've seen interviews of her, you can see that she's slowly changing about, like, what she posts. And not saying that, and not saying that she won't post, like, a bikini picture or something or something like that. But I think I saw this interview of basically her saying her being mindful of what she needs to post now because she has kids and she's trying to be a lawyer. You know, if some if if someone would have told you that Kim Kardashian, a porn star, would become a lawyer, yeah, to help prison reform, yeah, talk about insane. Mm -hmm. So it's just like there are so many people we write off that it's like. Imagine what would happen if their heart was for Jesus. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. You're talking about this. I'm thinking about like back to loving our enemies. And this is just straight what Jesus taught. And I think that after having this conversation with you, I'm realizing how offensive it is. But when Jesus taught that he who was forgiven little loves little. Mm. That's, a, that's offensive. Because think about saying that to someone who was seriously hurt by someone and now there's hate in their heart. Can you imagine saying to them in that moment, you love little because you've been forgiven little. That is offensive. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it feels that way at least. Or you, or you forgive little, so you know, so you love little. Is that way, the way you're thinking? No, I'm saying it like the, the straight way that Jesus taught. Okay. He who was forgiven little as far as like Simon the Pharisee. Okay, okay. Right? Good. The prostitute okay. comes to the middle of the story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that to me is, it feels kind of offensive mm -hmm. to say you're not loving your abuser because you don't realize how much I've forgiven you. Mm. That would cause someone's face to turn red. Because there's serious hurt there. And again, it's not to belittle the hurt, it's just to magnify God's redemption. But to think about this, what? and this is what, I'm th this is what I'm just thinking about. If you're having a hard time loving your enemy, don't make it about you. Don't make it about your enemy. Make it about Jesus. Reflect and spend time realizing how much God has forgiven you mm -hmm. and how much God loves you. Mm -hmm. As your understanding of God loves, uh, as your understanding of God's love for you grows, your love for others will grow. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what I'm kind of getting to with this loving your enemies idea. How is it possible? It's possible because we were the enemies of God. Mm -hmm. And we can look at his love towards us as, a, as an example. Mm -hmm. 
I think that's just kind of where I'm landing with it. Yeah. And if you're having a hard time with it, I get it. Like, that's... I, again, like, I've struggled with that, absolutely. And still do, in lots of cases. Mm-hmm. But I think when I think about it, ultimately, whether it's a small thing where someone's just annoying me, or I don't get along with it, or I'm in the wrong way, or it was a serious hurt, it normally really comes down to, I'm forgetting how much Christ loves me. Mm-hmm. And how much he's forgiven me. And I think... As we tie it back to the question, does that include Satan? Right. I think maybe the consensus that we've come to is, imagine what would happen if Satan turned his heart towards Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in that way, it isn't... This is hard. It's like, I can't say that I hate him. Right. It's like, I know you're this way because... Of the iniquity that has tormented your being. But I can't wait for the day. And I'm going to hope for the day that you turned your heart to Jesus. Right. Again. Yeah. Will that ever happen? It seems too far gone. It seems he's, he's committed the point of no return sins, as we know. But... It's that mindset where even even talking about it now, you know, like my heart opens up a little bit. It's like, okay, okay. You know, like I still want, um, like I still want him to get paid his justice and this paid, you know, and him to have justice and his due. But I think this comes from a mindset of how does this view God this changes the way you view God because we view God because in this mindset, like we're like thinking God is so excited to punish Satan. I think I've had that mindset for a while, but I don't think that's this. Hmm. I don't think God is excited to punish Satan. Hmm. I think God is more heartbroken because of all the millennia of years that they were together. And he was there with him. And how that can no longer be because he's too far gone. I think that breaks his heart. I don't know why, like, I know, like, I'm going to cry. But I, but I think it breaks his heart. And I think that's why Jesus did what he did. Wow. Because he said, he said, I can't have them go down this path. I've seen it ruin. He saw it ruin Satan so deeply he was like I have to do anything and everything I can to make sure to make sure that they don't go down that path they will have to step over me yeah yeah that's so true our God is slow to wrath and you're really saying the core of the gospel I mean, the reality that God is just, he is. Mm-hmm. And sin has a price tag. Yeah. It's death. Yeah. And who is that on? It's on us. Mm-hmm. Yet behold, mm-hmm. there is a lamb looking as if, it, as if it had been slain. That's some good stuff. Like, Yeah. Jesus has picked up our tab. Mm-hmm. 
the wrath of God poured out on Jesus that it won't have to be poured out on us. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And all this is coming from his love. Mm. You're right, yeah. Hmm. Well, folks, I think we answered that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think we came to a good point. Yeah. In it. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. This is so far, I feel like this was really, really good. Yeah, I, I love talking about these things like this. This is so fun. We don't, what are we going to talk about next week? We don't know yet. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out but as the Holy Spirit leads us. But this has definitely been a Holy Spirit talk. Yeah. For sure. Um, well, thank you so much for listening. My name is Jeremiah Garner, and with me is... Andrew Delaney. And our mission is to help men be the men God has called them to be. We, we hope you have an amazing week. Send this to someone... Obviously, women are welcome to listen to it. We don't talk about anything crazy. Right. Um, but we just know that our perspective really, really helps men out. So. Yeah, it's so cool. It's just we're both on a journey. Like, mm-hmm. And that's what I love about it, too. Is even before this, we were talking just about how like, when we were in high school, we didn't fully understand the idea of what it meant when we said, all glory to God. Yeah. Now we're having a greater understanding. But even now, we're so short of the mm-hmm. understanding. And that's what this really is. It's like we're all on the path together. We're growing together, walking yeah. together. And our good shepherd's leading us. And yeah. so hopefully, you know, our conversations help spur more conversations. And that's awesome. Cool. Thank you guys so much. Bye. See ya.